Greetings fellow captains and welcome back to Rank Amateur. Today on Rank Amateur we will be going over the tier 4 French cruiser, the Dugue Etoile. And I know I'm not saying that last syllable right, but I cannot for the life of me say it. And if French guys, in my language it would be pronounced Dugue Etoile or something like that. So French is just, it's a language that does not usually come easily to English speakers, so I will do my best on pronunciation of these things. Uh, anyways, we're going to be moving to World of Warships news, and the good thing is, since I've last made an episode more than two weeks ago, uh, pretty much nothing has happened. Uh, oh, actually, um, uh, 12.5 uh, did drop, actually, literally today, so we will... Um, we will be going over that. So now there's asymmetric battles. Uh, so it's essentially tier 9, 10 ships uh, will be added to people's ports to participate. And if you recall what asymmetric battles are, it's essentially that a small amount of players in higher tier ships will be dealing with a large amount of bots in lower tier ships. And they're saying that the rewards that you're going to earn from this are going to be in between uh, co-op battles and random battles. And that can be quite as much as those random battles, but you can expect... Uh, uh, more than co-op battles and it, they're claiming that there is a reworked bot AI here and that they will not move into close quarters combat as often they'll distribute themselves uh, in key areas more intelligently and actually formulate some sort of strategy which may be interesting to see we'll see if some players actually end up losing to these bots I'm sure there will be some uh, so yeah basically a team a team of players is going to be tier uh, 7 uh, no, excuse me, that's a team of bots. Team players is going to be tier 9 and 10. They're going to have five ships, no more than one aircraft carrier and one submarine, no more than three battleships, three cruisers, and three destroyers. The bots are going to have 12 ships. They're going to be tier 7 and 8, no more than one aircraft carrier and one submarine, between four and five battleships and cruisers each, and between two and three destroyers each. So this could get actually really interesting. Uh, there, There is some combat missions uh, that are... Uh, allow you to to earn uh, community tokens as well so that's uh that's cool that they're actually making uh community tokens available uh the yumahari uh camouflage contest uh the winner is pretty impressive there there's some uh uh runner-ups uh, <laughs> general macarthur is the the username of the guy who won but it is actually a pretty stunning camouflage. It's uh, it look it's got like Mount Fuji in the uh, superstructure, and then like cherry blossoms on either end of the ship. Actually, looks really really cool. I might get the ship just for that camouflage. Uh, this, the runners up are actually really good too. So it looks like Wargaming must have had a really hard time uh, figuring out who to who to elect as the winner here. Um, got a lot of them there centering around the cherry blossoms and stuff. Uh, like, Rising Sun camouflages, typical like like uh, old Japanese art style. Um, yeah, so it looks uh, looks pretty neat actually. Uh, and he got a free tier nine premium ship out of that, so that's not bad. 
Uh, we in the next we are also or next update. Uh, European destroyers are continuing uh, their early access state. I mean, they seem pretty good. I mean, I I haven't played a whole lot since they've been introduced, but they haven't seemed super overpowered, at least from what I've seen. Now, now, and I mean, I've been monitoring the Reddit. I haven't seen anyone ranting about how overpowered the European destroyers are. They don't seem particularly bad. The HE, or the lack of AP, is a little bit frustrating, it seems, but they do have that small radar uh, that just gives them just a few seconds of a glimpse into... Uh, into what could lie inside of smoke screens and stuff. So it's more of just a, a an affirmation of what's in a smoke screen rather than uh, actually illuminating it for a long period of time, at least until you get to higher tiers. Uh, new battle pass is coming out. U.S. Independence Day event is coming. Uh, there's all sorts of unique camouflages and stuff. And there's a new premium ship coming and being introduced. Actually, two of them. The Halford and the West Virginia 44. So, the Halford is a U.S. Fletcher-class destroyer. This is a World of Warships description, by the way. With a catapult for launching reconnaissance aircraft. During World War II, she covered landing operations in the Solomon Islands, New Guinea, and the Philippines. And she also fought, fought in the Battle of the Philippine Sea and the Battle of Leyte Gulf. Over the course of the war, she earned 13 battle stars. I don't actually really know what this is going to be like. I mean, it sounds like it's literally just going to be a Fletcher with a spotting aircraft, which could be kind of interesting. It does suffer a lack of torpedo tubes, though. Uh, it looks like it loses a turret and a torpedo tube to, to gain such advantage. So we'll see how this pans out. Um, uh, this did exist, by the way. There was really a Fletcher, or USS Halford, that did have a catapult. Actually, what's funny is me and my friends were talking about this over a Discord call, like, literally, like, three days before this ship was introduced. It was... Or, or, or announced, rather. Um, I wish they would have chosen USS Pringle, because then we could have made all those Pringles jokes, but uh, uh, no dice on that one. West Virginia 44 is uh, going to be, looks like, Tier 7. Yep, Tier 7. It's a Colorado-class battleship. The version, as of 1944, received a second life after uh, Pearl Harbor. The sunken ship was raised from the bottom and upgraded. Uh, the fall of 1944, the battleship resumed service and excelled in the Battle of Leyte Gulf. Later, she participated in the Battle of Iwo Jima and landing operations in Okinawa. During the course of World War II, West Virginia earned five battle stars. Uh, so basically just enhanced anti-aircraft uh, armament. She does have some enhanced secondaries as well. They're the uh, standard 5-inch dual turrets that are mounted on the side. Um, yeah, it looks like there's going to be some Independence Day containers. Uh, there's going to be some themed events going underway, and you can obtain the, uh, Tyrdine, uh, Pan-European Destroyer, the Jager, for Austro-Hungarian tokens. It's only available for Austro-Hungarian tokens. Literally, it looks like a high-tier Ohotnik, and it's glorious. I mean, the Ohotnik's not that great of a ship. It's, it's more just kind of a meme, but, like... It's fun. It's so much fun to play. Especially, I mean, there are times where you get deleted right away, but man, when you get those torpedoes away and just absolutely send someone back to Jesus, it is it is pretty fun. So I can imagine that the Jaeger will also be some fun. Uh, but we'll see how that pans out. There's various te uh, technical improvements that are coming to the game, and we're talking about uh, the, the main one here is going to be the cool-off period after a battle. It's supposed to be a smoother transition to, um, like, well, the end of a battle, the the uh, post-battle results screen. And essentially, the battle ends and the victory or defeat icon shows up in sort of in the top of your screen, but the battle still kind of keeps going. Like, whatever happens here won't actually, like, affect the outcomes of the battle, they're saying, but you could earn more rewards for it. So, like, 
if there's one more ship remaining and the bombs from a carrier are just about to land but the battle ends, that ship will still win if, you know, they're in a winning uh, position or something like that. Uh, but they can be destroyed by those um, bombs that land. So we'll definitely see a lot of uh, battles where there's no ships left alive on the winning team, but they've technically obtained victory. So, um, I mean, it's a neat idea. It certainly will alleviate some of the frustration that your shells don't hit um, the target or, or can't reload in time or something like that. Uh, the matchmaker settings for battles featuring in tiers 1 to 5 ships have changed. Now the matchmaker restrictions will be eased sooner. The bots uh, will be added easy, uh, earlier to ensure that people don't wait as long in the uh, matchmaking screen. It uh, just essentially ensures that uh, you know people won't get bored sitting in the matchmaking screen in low tiers, maybe at odd hours in the nights for you know 20 minutes on end. I mean, I know the maximum is not 20 minutes, but uh, it just ensures that battles get dealt out quicker. So we can probably expect to see more bots. Um, in battles and things like that, but uh, it shouldn't be too bad. I mean, with the amount of bots that are already in low-tier North American battles, it, I don't expect it to change the game that much. Uh, there's uh, Ranked Battle Season 12 that's starting. Uh, brawls, uh, there'll be three brawls on Update 12.5. Uh, uh, eight cruisers, battleships, and destroyers in a 2v2 format. The more than one battleship per team uh, can participate in the division as well. This is June 26th to July 3rd. In Brawl 2, they haven't listed a date for it. It's going to be Tier 10 Cruisers, Battleships, and Destroyers in 1v1 format. Brawl 3 is going to be Tier uh, 8 Ships in a 3v3 format. No more than two Battleships, two Cruisers, and two Destroyers, and one Aircraft Carrier per team. You can participate in a division of up to three players, which will be kind of interesting. So you can uh, have two Battleships and a Cruiser. So that means that my friends are going to go to two Schlieffens in Annapolis and just absolutely mess people up. That's going to be fun. And content additions and changes. Uh, new uh, Leo uh, Gradwell uh, commander for British ships and Gregory Spirdov for Soviet ships. Uh, Canada, Marine Day, and uh, Shallow Mile flags. Okay, interesting. Yeah, but there's a Canadian flag now that you can put, put in your ship. New camouflage for Minsk, new patches, um, new Polish commander. Uh, whose name in portrait will be revealed at a later date. Greek commander named Nikos uh, Thalassinos, I think. Uh, and the old World of Warships logo has been removed from Valentine's Day camouflage and all sorts of different uh, camouflage containers. Firepower premium container uh, expanded its drops to include Trump, Malta, and Alavero de Bazan. Distant Voyage premium containers will now offer a selection of permanent camouflages. Uh, just a whole ton of different camouflages. Game balance changes. Uh, let's see. Smoke generator modification type, or modification one upgrade. This consumable action time is reduced from 30% to 20%. The bonus that was removed the minus 5% penalty to smoke screen dispersion time. These upgrades are now available for tier 5 to 10 ships that use the exhaust smokes generator consumable, which is interesting. X-ray Papa, you, you know, you, you know one signal. Jeez, I can't read. Bonus to smoke generator reduced from 15, uh, plus 15% to plus 10%. Um, and that's on the Perth of Hangha, Mysore, Haida, Hector, and Vampire 2. Uh, the crawling smoke screen uh, consumable action time has been increased from 90 to 102 seconds. So essentially what they're doing here is they're nerfing the smoke screen just, uh 
action time on all ships except for the Commonwealth ships that have a crawling smokescreen. So essentially, they're just trying to nerf other smoke generators, which I find interesting. Um, and there's there's been a ton of different, uh, wow, a lot of different uh, balance changes. Um, they buffed the per the HMAS Perth's depth charges. Wow, the tons of ships. Okay, you know, for, for brevity, I'm just going to uh, say that this is on the update website because there is, like, a ton of ships that they've just made really boring changes to. So I'm not going to go through all this, but this is on the World of Warships website. And there is other changes, as usual, just kind of... Uh, Largely just small little bug fixes and things like that that are happening. So let's get into the Dugoitois history. So she was laid down on the 4th of August 1922, the first ship laid down post-World War I for the French Navy. Uh, she was built in the Arsenal de Brest. Yep, that's that's the city, guys. Remember? <sighs> anyway, <laughs> um, French people naming their cities, they, they should have chosen wiser to, to know that people who speak another language would find the name of their city kind of funny. Uh, she was launched on the 14th of August, 1923, just a year and 10 days later. She was commissioned on November 2nd, 1926. She was a Dugoitois-class cruiser, lead ship of her class, and she had a displacement of just 7,249 tons standard, or 9,350 tons full load. She, for her weight, was actually very long, 594 feet 10 inches overall, or 181.30 meters. She had a beam of 17.50 meters, or 57 feet 5 inches, fairly narrow, and she had a draft of 20 feet 2 inches, or 20 feet 8 inches, or normal, 20 feet 8 inches full load, so that's 6.14 meters, or 6.30 meters, uh, respectively, which is very deep for a cruiser, especially of one that's only 7,000 tons. Uh, she had an installed power of 8 uh, Gaiot boilers... Gaiot boilers? Um, yeah, I'm assuming that's French. Sorry, French people. Uh, so she had a 102,000 shaft horsepower, which is very a very large amount for the uh, weight of the ship, or the displacement of the ship, I should say. And that was putting its power through four gear-steep turbines, which were then putting their power on, through four shafts. She could reach a top speed of 33 knots, which for her time was quite fast. Um, she had a range of 3,000 nautical miles at 15 knots, which is abysmal, actually. That's, she must not have carried many coal stores. Yeah, that's, that's not a lot. She had a complement of 27 officers and 551 sailors. Uh, she had an initial armament, uh, before she was upgraded, of 855mm, 6.1 inch, uh, 50 caliber guns in two, or two turrets. Four turrets of two guns each for a total of eight guns. She had four 75mm anti-aircraft guns, 12 550mm torpedo tubes. In her 1943 refit, she kept her main guns, kept her secondary guns. She did lose the torpedoes uh, in exchange for more anti-aircraft guns, 15-20mm and 6-13.2mm. In the 1944 refit, uh, she kept her main and secondary guns, and she switched for 6 40mm guns and 20-20mm guns, uh, getting rid of the 13.2mm. Uh, her armor was kind of non-existent. She had 20mm of armor on the deck, 30mm of armor around the magazine, and the turrets and conning tower each had 30mm of armor. She carried two GL-812 observation planes, G later the GL-832, uh, and one catapult. So yes, she, uh, she was made of paper, as she was in the game. 
Now, the French don't seem to have kept very good, or at least very good published records or readily accessible records of their ships, uh, travels, and things like that in World War II. Uh, the Dugoitois served until the 19th of March, 1952. Yes, she did survive World War II, uh, which is a quite lengthy service for a friendship in general of that time, most of them being scuttled in 1942. Uh, however, there is actually very little on her uh, activities available, or at least readily available. I'm sure if I went around to some archives, I could dig up something about the Dugoitois, but uh, she was designed based on an improved version of a 1915 design, which was never actually constructed, reworked with more speed and more powerful armament to match the British E-Class, which we also know as the Emerald Class of warships, and the American Omaha Class light cruisers. Um... Which uh, is good because uh, the French Navy was, at this time, starting to fall behind their British-American counterparts. Actually, I would say it just was behind their British and American counterparts. So this represents a decent effort of them to at least improve their cruisers. Uh, there was an effort made to improve their battleships, but the French, for some reason, really didn't... Um see a need for uh, improved battleships or it didn't they didn't follow through with any of their battleships designs uh until they realized war was um at least germany was beginning to get aggressive and they began constructing the dunkirk and later richelieu class warships they never really managed to build up a large capital ship fleet uh by the time world war ii broke out most of their capital ships being used to hunt down german commerce raiders or at least being designed to hunt down german commerce raiders uh, she, from her pre-war career, consisted of not really doing much, uh, as per usual for uh, non-wartime ships. She spent a lot of time in Indochina, which is now modern-day Laos, Vietnam, and Cambodia, uh, at least training off the uh, shores of that uh, area, that former colony, or, well, at this time, colony of France. Uh, in 1936, she took part in the international effort to safeguard shipping the Mediterranean uh, while the Spanish Civil War was going on. Uh, like many other ships, uh, she was painted, uh, or at least her upper torso was painted with uh, blue, white, red colors, making her easy to identify as a French ship, a nun, um, combatant and uh, avoid attacks by the combatants. This would actually be done by Spanish ships in World War II uh, to avoid attacks by combatants. There was actually giant Spanish flags that were painted on the side. They can be seen in-game. They're kind of a cool decoration, but it's just to identify them as not combatants so that they do not get uh, mistakenly attacked by others. France declared war in September of 1939 as she was in Dakar. Uh, the Dugoitois was in Dakar. Along with other French and British ships, she commenced Atlantic patrols to intercept German pocket battleships, which in the early part of the war were deemed to be a grave threat. I mean, they kind of were, uh, especially the Admiral Graf Spee for a little while. Um, or Graf Spee, depending on how you wish to pronounce it. In October 1939, Dugoitois intercepted the German merchant ship HAL 200, or HAL, yeah, HAL 200 miles off the south uh, southwest of Dakar. Hal was scuttled to prevent its capture. Wow, I literally cannot pronounce stuff today. Uh, in early May 1940, she was transferred to the eastern Mediterranean, based at Beirut, for operations in the Adriatic Sea. In June of 1940, after the French surrender, she joined uh, uh, Admiral René-Emile Goldfroy's Force X, or Force 10, uh, at Alexandria, Egypt, where she was disarmed by agreement between French and uh, British and French admirals during Operation Catapult and inter interned by the British from June 22, 1940. 
Axis forces occupying the so-called Free Zone in November of 1942 made armistice terms between France and the Third Reich uh, pretty moot at this point, as the uh, Third Reich had just violated their terms, so Dugoitois rejoined the Allies. On the 30th of May, 1943, she was rearmed by July, and after modernization in Casablanca and Oran, Oran, Jeez, I, all these names. I'm just bad at pronouncing names. Uh, she returned to active service in 1943. During a refit, Dugaitois had her torpedo tubes and aircraft removed, as stated earlier, and instead gained four 75mm AA guns, 15-20mm AA guns, and 13.2mm machine guns. In 1944, she ferried troops between Algiers. I'm not even going to try to pronounce... Uh, the rest of those, and Napoli. She supported the landings in southern France in August 1944, and subsequently undertook bombardments along the Italian coast with the flank force in, until April 1945. On the 10th and 11th of May 1945, Dugoitois participated in a um, well, regrettable action, probably the most regrettable action that we'll actually directly discuss on this um, uh, podcast, because we don't generally discuss the Holocaust, as it doesn't really... Um, Pertain, or, or many other massacres because they doesn't really pertain to uh, naval history, but this one does. Uh, Dugatois bombarded civilians in Algeria during the Setif and uh, Gulima massacre, uh, opening fire in 10 instances, uh, with likely hundreds of casualties attributed to her guns. Yeah, so it was, it was not a good time. This was a largely a turning point in uh, French and Algerian relations, and it was credited with directly leading to the Algerian, or being one of the main factors leading to the Algerian-French conflict, uh, or the Algerian War in, uh, I believe, 1954, so just nine years later. Yeah, so it was, it was not good. On the 28th of May 1947, with the outbreak of the Indochina War, Dugoitois departed Toulon, bound for the Far East by way of the Diego Suarez uh, Straits in Madagascar, arriving at Saigon on the 13th of November 1947. She remained in the region until September of 1951 as the flagship of the Far East Division, supporting landing parties with land bombardment from 1948 to October 1951. Dugoitois was eventually decommissioned on the 19th of March 1952 and sold for scrap in 1953, having served one of the longest crews for warships over time, as they were usually limited by the rapid pace of technological advancement. So yeah, it was ups and downs for the Dugoitois. She was largely a symbol of uh, colonial power, or at least, well, colonial power if you were French, or colonial uh, corruption if you were a person who belonged to a uh, region being exploited by the French. So a very, uh, towards the end of her career, a bit of a controversial uh, figure, if you will. Um, for many reasons. Uh, the war in Indochina would last uh, many more years. Eventually, the French would give up, and the U.S. would more or less take their place, and uh, foreign troops would not leave, uh, or would not fully evacuate, um, especially Vietnam, till around, I believe it was 1972. And it was 1975, Yes, 1975, before uh, Ford troops would fully evacuate from uh, the city of, that we now call Ho Chi Minh. Anyways, let's get on to the World of Warships uh, du Goetois, which I believe is one of the better Tier 4 cruisers. And the only reason why I say this is because she's fairly easy to use, and she's a typical cruiser. If you use her correctly, 
you will be able to use many other cruisers, particularly ones later in the French line, very well. By the way, I am grinding down the French line, or progressing, rather. I'm not really grinding. It's not a quick process. I'm taking my time and enjoying the French ships, and I really am. I do quite enjoy French warships. This is the first French tech tree I've uh, was actually uh, going down. I haven't really touched France that much. I do have a few premium ships, as you guys know, but uh, this is the first tech tree I'm going down. My eventual destination is going to be Marseille, uh, and the reason why is because there's no no real French ships in the cruiser line past tier 8, so it doesn't really matter for the podcast, and I I feel that Marseille is more unique than Henri IV. Uh, Henri IV. It's cool. It, it, I mean, it spams from really long distances, but Marseille, just the weirdness of the ship, I uh, would think would make more interesting content, so that's why I chose to go down that line. Dugoitois actually has a quite decent range for her uh for her tier. Uh, by the way, this is with all equipment uh, researched and purchased. Uh, there's no upgrades or commander skills applied at this time. So she's going to have a 15.02 kilometer range, a reload time of 12 seconds, a rate of five, which means 5 rounds per minute out of each gun can be expected. 180 degrees at first time with just 22.5 seconds. Yes, you can expect this from the rest of the line, or at least at least uh, till mid-tiers. Uh, I haven't quite checked what Marseille is. I believe it's pretty quick, though. Uh, Tur first time is very good in these ships for cruisers. Uh, the accuracy is pretty good, I would say, for the tier. I didn't really notice anything that was too horrific. I did get some wonky salvos out of it, but not nothing too terrible. It's a 2.0 Sigma, which is, a I believe, a little low for a cruiser, uh, but it's definitely usable, uh, especially for the tier. Dispersion horizontal is just 137 meters, and dispersion vertical is 82 meters. She fires 155 millimeter HE OEA MLE, HE OEA, MLE 1920 shells. Raw DPM is a little low, 88,000, um, but she does do 2,200 damage per shell. Has a pretty high shell velocity of 870 meters a second. The shells weigh 59 kilograms. They'll have a depth explosion of 3 meters, a HE penetration of 26 millimeters, which is pretty decent for the tier. A burn probability of 11%, which is also pretty decent for the tier, uh, which means you'll get about 3 fires per minute. The AP shells is a 155mm AP OPFA MLE 1920 shell with DPM of 132,000. Again, a little low. The maximum damage is a little bit frustrating at 3,300. I feel like, well, I mean, it's right in line with what light cruises are. I feel like it could be a little bit more, but... You know, it's a good ship at us. It is. Initial shelf velocity is 870 meters a second. By the way, the penetration on French armor piercings absolutely bonkers. I mean, we hear about battleships all the time, the French battleships having good penetration, but the cruisers are nothing to scoff at. I would not show broadside to a French cruiser, even the light ones, because they do have armor piercing that does hit very hard, uh, especially if your ship is not well armored. Even if it is, the uh, they can just hit your upper belt for a lot of damage. Uh, 870 meters second velocity, uh, weight of 56 kilograms, so a little lighter than the high explosive shells. 45 to 60 degree ricochet angle, so standard. Uh, overmatches 10 millimeters of armor, has a depth explosion of 1 uh, meter. The arming threshold is 26 millimeters, and the fuse timer is 0.01 seconds, so I believe that is a little bit shorter fuse time, which is nice on this. It allows you not to overpenetrate much with your armor piercing. The uh, firing angles, I, they're usable, could... I could maybe use a little bit better fire angles, but it's really not too bad. The second, uh, the the inner turret, so uh, A turret and X turret, could could be a little bit better. But um, actually, excuse me, A turret and Y turret could be a little bit better. But you know, it does have torpedoes. They do only have a six kilometer range. They're purely defensive torpedoes. They do twelve thousand damage a piece. Uh, by the way, there's four. 
uh, tubes of three or four uh, torpedo tube sets with three tubes each. Uh, the real time's 84 seconds, so pretty quick. Top speed is pretty slow, 57 knots. Detectability range is pretty far, 1.2 kilometers. Uh, so you will see these things coming from a pretty long distance away. You've got a 7.8 second reaction time. Uh, it, it, it's not too bad. The detectability range um, certainly could be lower, but it, it, it it's usable. Uh, chance of causing flooding is 199%, which I believe is a little bit low for a torpedo. A defense is purely laughable. only goes out to 3 kilometers, but that's uh, what you get at Tier 4. Survivability, she has just 26,700 hit points. Not much to write home here. You got 30-second fire, 40 or yeah, 30-second fire, 40-second flooding. A probability fire reduction of only 10%. She does like to eat fire damage. And uh, damage reduction of 4% on the torpedoes. The concealment is uh, pretty decent for, for a cruiser over tier 12.92 kilometers. Uh, and when on fire, she has a concealment of 14.92 kilometers. Maneuverability is pretty good. You got three, a 33 knot top speed, a very tight cir turning circle radius of just 670 meters, and a quick rotor shift time, 7.8 seconds. French cruisers have excellent mo uh, maneuverability, especially the light ones. They are very impressive and very hard to hit. As far as upgrades, you only got two slots, so we're just going to run main armaments mod 1 and uh, probably engine room protection, just because the uh, armor on this ship is so bad. By the way, it is basically non-existent. Although there is some geometry that can be kind of trolly for height for uh, heavy cruisers, but battleships pretty much overmatch a lot of uh, the plating on this ship. Or at least if they don't overmatch it, they penetrate it very easily. So just assume that your armor is not going to do anything. Be happy when it does, but don't assume it will do anything. Play as if you don't have armor. Um, as far as uh, upgrades go. Uh, gun feeder is very useful for tr switching between high explosive and armor piercing. Um, as far as, uh, by the way, you want to set this ship up for uh, ships down the line, which will have reload booster and the uh, engine boost consumable, which Duke Oitois does not have. She has standard damage con, hydroacoustic search, and a fighter jet. Fight Did I say fighter jet? I, I'm a I meant fighter. I meant, why did I add jet after? It's not a jet. Don't think it's a jet. Nope, it is not a jet. You're not launching a Mirage 2000 out of this thing. Uh, it is a crappy float plane that may or may not shoot down a plane. Then you're going to go priority target, adrenaline rush, and concealment expert. And most people, when they get to the Dugoy Trois, are probably just going to have a 10-point commander or less. So for most people, you're going to just stick with the gun feeder, priority target, adrenaline rush, and concealment experts. However, uh, some people do come in with uh, good commanders, so as far as that goes, it doesn't really require um, many consumables. Um, superintendent's very useful later uh, down the line. Uh, heavy AP shells might be useful. Uh, consumable enhancements also useful later down the line. Uh, demolition uh, expert is also very useful for the extra 1% on the uh, fire chance. Uh, that does get you up to 12%, which is pretty respectable. Although some people don't prefer that. Wouldn't recommend heavy HE and sap shells. Uh, it doesn't really fit the French cruisers that well. So, it, I mean, it is really your play style. Top grade gunner could work as well. Um, radio location is useful uh, also. So there, there is a whole lot of ways that you could take this. This particular ship doesn't really require uh, too much. Um, 
you could certainly have uh, consumable specialists up in that first tier. I wouldn't really recommend Grace of Gears. You don't need it down the line. I mean, you could use it on the ship if you had a dedicated commander, but it's not really necessary down the line. So uh, that's usually what I would build into. You could also do survivability expert if you wanted to. Uh, not really recommended, especially for ships down the line, though. Uh, so if you're saving this commander for those ships, uh, probably not going to use that. So, yeah, top grade gunner. And then uh, probably consumables enhancements would, would be the best. So if you're... Uh, looking for a commander that's going to be useful down the line. We're looking at consumable specialist, gun feeder, priority target, consumables enhancement, adrenaline rush, superintendent, concealment experts, and top grade gunners being the ideal or uh, nearly ideal skills. Uh, you could also run radio location if you wanted to. Sometimes that's useful, although with a French cruiser you will be primarily operating from the flank, so it's not super useful. Uh, as far as flags are concerned, Juliet Charlie, uh, and then the fire starting flag. So Juliet Charlie is going to be that uh, anti-exiting uh, detonation. You can run fire flags. I don't find it super useful because on cruisers you generally just damage control right away. Um, or at least nearly right away. Sierra Mike for the speed. That's very useful on French cruisers. Uh, consumable reload time. Uh, enhancements with the November Foxtrot skill. And then you can also enhance Hydroacoustic Surge if you want with Sierra Bravo. Uh, so yeah, that just enhances your ship, your, uh, reload, or, yeah, so your reload time is a little bit lower, and then when you change your, uh, ship's hit point pool down to 46% or so, you get a sub 10 seconds, uh, reload time, which is good on these guns. And, uh, as far as playing the ship, it is very simple, actually. Uh, go to flank. Yeah, just go on the flank. And I... You don't necessarily okay. You don't necessarily have to go to the flank, but act as though you're going to go to the flank, right? You can sometimes situations come up where it may be more advantageous to not go to the flank and adjust your positioning. But generally, French cruisers love to be on the flanks. They love to be annoying people with high explosive spam, and when they are given broadsides, they slap those broadsides armor piercing, which is why we took the gun feeder skill. Yeah, but in general, sitting on the flank works well. Uh, the problem with going in the middle is that your armor is so bad as a French ship, uh, and uh, that people generally have good shots on you. If you're on the flank, you only have to watch from one side to see shots coming in, so it, it reduces your chances of being cross-mapped and deleted. So that, in general, enhances the uh, combat effectiveness of the uh, Duvetois, and as well as with its enhanced range over other cruisers, especially at the tier. Um, I do find great use out of it at the um, greater extent of the flank. Um... You, like I said, you can play it in the middle if you want. Some very skilled players have done that very well. Uh, however, it's easier to get used to the ship on the flank. Would recommend doing that. Now, don't go super far out of the flank and just stay there when, uh, when it's obvious that you shouldn't be on the flank. But in general, most effective there. I'm going to end that episode right here, folks. So next week we'll probably be doing, or uh, two weeks from now, we'll probably be doing the Emile Breton. I promise I will learn how to pronounce that as best as I can later on. Uh, but that ship, I enjoyed it greatly. A 39-knot top speed base is pretty wild, even though it doesn't have a speed boost. Uh, it is pretty wild how fast that thing can go. It's above 40 knots just without speed boost. Uh, if you run the speed flag, so it's it's pretty crazy. It was a lot of fun. I am on the Legale Sonnier. I also will learn how to pronounce that later. I know I'm pronouncing it wrong, 
Uh, and then uh, we will go over that in a few weeks here. Eventually, we'll get to Marseille, and then we'll see if it was worth going up the line or not. So far, I'm enjoying myself. I hope you guys are enjoying this, these episodes. Please feel free to email me, rankamateurpodcast at gmail.com, uh, with any uh, requests, comments, concerns, or questions. And until next time, Captains... Captains... <laughs>